Welcome to KathleenWitten.org. We believe that Kathleen's message will inspire you, encourage you, and give you a fresh perspective on life. Now, here's Kathleen. You know, I heard a great quote the other day, and it, and it, um, and it says that it's not what you know, it's what you sow. In other words, it's not what we have internalized in our brains, but it's what we have working in our lives. And lots of times that takes a lot of repetition with most of us, with me especially. And so if you um, haven't heard the first two teachings, they've really built onto this last closing teaching, and I just would encourage you to get those. If you look at the bottom of page three, we left off for excuses for unforgiveness. These are excuses for our keeping records of wrongs. These are the excuses that we have. And sometimes they're subconscious excuses. It's not that we consciously have an excuse, but deep inside our hearts we might believe this. One of the excuses is, I'm afraid of being disappointed or hurt again. And a quote that's meant a lot to me through the years says, many people would rather be certain that they are miserable than risk being happy. You think that's true? You know, I know people and it's Sad. I mean, it breaks your heart, but they would rather be certain that they're going to have an absolutely miserable day. They'll predict it. And I think half the time it's just because they want to be right. But the other half the time it's because they're disappointed in the fact that, you know, what if I do hope? What if I do reach out? What if I do forgive? Am I going to be disappointed again? And so that is one of the main excuses that, that people have about keeping records of wrongs. But we have two verses that really buck that excuse. And that's the greatest way. You know, when we have a mindset that's incorrect, it's hard to change that just by changing our minds. The easiest way, the most powerful way, is with the Word of God. Because the Word of God is sharp and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword. And it's alive. And so when we want to change a mindset, we need to use the Word of God. It's like if someone is fearful and anxious all the time, Instead of just saying, well, don't be fearful and anxious, maybe they need a scripture of God hasn't given you a spirit of fear, but power, love, and a sound mind, like um, 2 Timothy 1.7, or, you know, be anxious for nothing, but by supplication, with thanksgiving, make your request be known to God, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. Using scriptures to combat negative and or incorrect mindsets, is life-changing but just deciding to change our mind is really pretty much impossible I don't know if you all ever try to do I'm just gonna be patient that's it I'm patient today I am patient you know whatever it is that we struggle with if you struggle with impatience I am deciding to be patient well you can't really do that on your own most of us can't we need to be metamorphosized by the word we need the the, the word of God to renew our minds as it says in Romans 12:2. we need the Holy Spirit's help in every area of our lives and I use the word desperate a lot in my prayers because I am desperate for God I mean with apart from God apart from the word of God I cannot imagine what my life would be like and I have great I don't know if I'd use the word admiration, but I'm sort of in awe of people that go through their whole lives as strong people without Jesus. Because I don't know how they make it. I don't know how they make it in living an abundant and full life, a John 10.10 life that says that God has given us, you know, a life of abundance. You know, it just seems like you'd want to have everything God died to give us versus just trudging through this world. 
John, 1 John 4, 8 says there is no fear in love. So this is already telling us, you know, we shouldn't be afraid of being disappointed or hurt again. There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear. Because fear has to do with punishment. And the one who fears is not made perfect in love. You know, when I look at that scripture, and I always have had this vision of, and I guess it's just from being from Texas, or watching Dallas too many times. But when I look at this, it reruns, I guess. The perfect love drives out fear. You just think of like a, a, I think of cattle just being driven out of a certain area and the dust flying. And you know, the perfect love of God truly does drive out the fear that's many times hidden in our hearts. You know, sometimes we don't even know what we're afraid of, but we just feel that static or that anxiety or that lack of peace in our hearts. And the most amazing thing is when you first start encountering the Word and you first start getting fed with this is really the life that God has for me and this is what the Word says, you realize all of a sudden you've been living with that static and that fear and that dread your whole life and you're used to it. It's when you don't have it and it creeps in that you can notice it and and snag it and that's a really exciting place to be and that's not anything about what we're talking about today at all. So, don't ignore it, but shift. Romans 5.5 And hope does not disappoint us because God has poured out his love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit whom he has given us. Completely contrary to what that other mindset was, which was like, I'm going to be disappointed. I'd rather be right and be disappointed you know, negative than to be disappointed. The Word of God says hope does not disappoint us. And my question this morning to myself and to all of us was, would be what do we put our hope in? Do I put my hope in another person? Do I put my hope in a certain situation? Or is my hope in God? Because when my hope is in God, I'm not ever disappointed. I'm perplexed. You know, lots of times I can't see the path in front of me Lacey and I took, Maddie's at camp, we took Storm on a walk late last night, and it was dark, and we went down these little kind of nature type trails, um, and you couldn't see very far ahead of you. And it's so much like our life. You know, we wish that we could just see the end from the beginning. We wish that we could just know what was going to happen, but then we wouldn't need faith. We wouldn't, because we'd be able to see everything in front of us. So our hope in God is never disappointing, although we don't always understand. But lots of times we do later on. You know, have you ever had a situation in your life that looked terrible and grim, and then later you thought, oh, I understand now. I understand what God was doing. God works things out in amazing ways. Another excuse for unforgiveness is forgiveness in this certain situation is just too hard. You know, earlier I did tell about Corey Ten Boom and the Ravensbrook Guard, and we also discussed the young girl who had been sexually abused and how she had forgiven her um, transgressors, if you want to put it that way. And there is no area that's too hard. In my eyes, it would be too hard, but with God, all things are possible. Luke one thirty seven tells us, with God, all things are possible. So forgiveness out of love for God needs to be our motivation for forgiveness. You know, lots of times, I, if, if I had a motivation to forgive people when they've asked for forgiveness, 
um, or when they deserved forgiveness, well, there would be about half the people in my life that would just pretty much never receive that. And in your life also. And God doesn't say keep no records of wrongs except for those squirrely little people who never change and aren't repentant. There's very few parentheses in the Bible. Have you noticed that? I mean, God isn't, there's not. I mean, God says keep no records of wrongs. And so I don't forgive out of a love for the person who has wronged me. And that's where we get confused. We say, you know, you know, I just don't understand. I can't forgive this person and I just don't seem to love them. Well, I don't forgive out of a love for them. I forgive out of a love for him. And there's such a difference. And if my love for him has grown and been developed by the Holy Spirit, the miracle comes when I do have a love for that person. I may need distance to love them. And I believe in that. You know, there are people in your life that to continue to love them, you may need some serious distance. But I don't forgive them out of a love for them. I forgive them out of a love for him. On the last page, page four, God commands and implores us to forgive and to get rid of our records of wrongs. Forgive regardless of your understanding. It could change the world. You know, sometimes we don't think that obedience to God or forgiveness can change the world. But this is a great, wonderful example of someone trusting and forgiving And it truly changed the world. In Acts 9, 13 through 18, what's happening here is Saul, who was out killing Christians in the name of God, encounters Jesus and becomes Paul. And Paul is now, you know, coming into the fold of Christianity, a group of men and women of whom he's tried to exterminate. So there had to be some forgiveness there. And we kind of bounce over these kind of scriptures like, oh, well, Paul was killing him and then he joined him. And and we don't pay attention to, oh, my gosh, you know, this person was out persecuting and killing Christians. And then he became one and wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. Well, in between all of that, there had to be some serious forgiveness. Lord, Ananias answered after God said, you know, you have to take this man in. Accept him, love him. And here's this Christian, Ananias. I've heard many reports about this man and all the harm he's done to your saints in Jerusalem. And he has come here with authority from the chief priest to arrest all who call on your name. But the Lord said to Ananias, Go, this man is my chosen instrument to carry my name before the Gentiles and their kings and before the people of Israel. And I'll show him how much he must suffer for my name. And then Ananias went to the house and entered it. Entered it. Now, what happened between Lord? I've heard many reports about this man and Ananias obeying God. What happened in between that? Ananias had to say yes to God. I will obey you, and yes, I will forgive this man. His heart had to be willing to accept and forgive, because you know Ananias would have known some of the men that Paul had killed or that Paul had stoned or that Paul had imprisoned. And here is Ananias going and laying his hands about on Paul, placing his hands on Saul. He said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road as you were coming here has sent me that you may see again and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Immediately something like scales fell from Saul's eyes and he could see again and he got up and was baptized. And then I just wrote a note on there. Saul became Paul, 
and wrote over two-thirds of the New Testament, which changed the world. And I've often thought, what if Ananias said, forget it. And here's Paul with scales on his eyes. He can't see. He's completely blind. And God has said, Ananias, you're to go place your hands on him and pray over him. And what if Ananias said, God, that's just too much. He's, you know, a rascal. I'm not going to forgive him. But his obedience, this one man who we barely know, if I was just to walk up to you at church and said, who was Ananias? You may not know. I mean, you might say my neighbor's cat. You know, we name our animals strange. We don't know why half of our animals are. Lacey and I's first dog was named Malachi, you know, the last prophet of the Old Testament. But not many people, hey, your dog's named after the last prophet of the Old Testament. I mean, no one knew that. They were like, cool name, (laughs) you know. We didn't know who Ananias was, but it was out of his obedience to God to forgive that he received, the very first one to receive Paul. Paul, who we admire and aspire to be like, but who needed immense amount of forgiveness from God's people. Is there someone in our lives that our tiny act of obedience in forgiving them Maybe their lives might change the world. You don't know. You don't know. Forgive those who aren't repentant. If necessary, and I do want to say this, I don't want to take too lightly the things that that may have happened in your life or your child's life or your parent's life or a situation, like I said, I worked with children who had been extremely abused. So people who aren't repentant and who are still doing horribly evil things We need to know that the scripture is very clear that God is our avenger and not ourselves and not someone else. And I want to read these scriptures because I want you to see that God has made it clear, not only in the Old Testament, but in the New Testament. 2 Samuel 22, verse 48, and Psalm 18, 47 says that God is the one who avenges me. Psalm 9, verse 12, for he who avenges blood remembers, he does not ignore the cry of the afflicted. Psalm 94, verse 1, O Lord, the God who avenges, O God who avenges, shine forth. And 1 Thessalonians 4, 6, that no man go beyond and defraud his brother in any manner, because that the Lord is the avenger of all such, as we also have forewarned you and testified. You know, we need to, if we understand the awesome power of our God, and we understand the awesome, not only mercy, but God is just, it can almost get us to a place where we feel sorry for those who aren't repenting and who are continuing in evil because it will not be a good ending for them if they do not. And we need to understand that a vengeance is not up to us. It is not up to me to punish as an individual. And I feel it necessary to make this comment when and I'm hoping to not make this too complicated. I'm not talking about a country or a system or a government. I'm not talking about the death penalty. I don't want you all to leave and go, well, that little girl with the strange eyes doesn't believe in the death penalty. You know, I'm not talking about, and I I meant that for those of you who had just come in, my eyes are doing strange things right now. It's so random, but okay. But I'm talking about as individuals, this is talking about persons, not the way that we've set up our governments. And this isn't talking about not having war either. This is saying as an individual, it is not up to us 
to avenge. God is our avenger. It is not up to me to go kill someone who injured my child in a car wreck. Do you understand what I'm saying? And it's also not up to me to go and slander someone's name who slandered my name. It is not. God will take care of things. He will take care of things. Isaiah 43, 18-19 says, and we have been talking about keep no records of wrongs. Forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. See, I am doing a new thing and it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I'm making a way in the desert and streams in the wasteland. I love those scriptures for so many reasons, but there's so much to pull out of those. But basically it's telling us, forget the former things. And then it goes on to say, not only forget them, not only burn those records of wrongs, don't dwell in the past. And when you look at the word dwell, dwell, a dwelling is where you live. And people who dwell on the past live in the past. And then the scripture goes on to tell us that God's word is saying, I'm doing a new thing. Don't you perceive it? You know, we can't perceive any new thing that God is doing if we're dwelling on the bad things of the past. We can't perceive what he's doing today if we're not living in today. We can't perceive the joy of today if we're not even here. These are people that are bodily here today, but mentally dwelling, living in yesterday. And God wants us to live in today. And he says that he's going to do a new thing today and not to dwell on the past. You know, there are things that have happened to people 20, 30, 40, 50 years ago that are ruining their today. And God says to keep no records of wrong because he wants us to have that full life that he has for us today, that he died for us to have. And to receive that freedom to forgive. It's freedom for us. I brought this um, rock inside the church today. And um, actually, I was walking in and I saw a man that I had not seen before. And I kind of think he was new. And he said, oh, you brought a stone and to church and I said yes I was tired of carrying mace and he looked at me like (laughs) so if y'all see like a new man that's kind of a little apprehensive about entering the sanctuary would you just tell him that um, you know me and I'm that's just the way I am Um, but you know I, I wanted to bring this because it helps me so much to be visual you know God wants our Things that happen in our past, you know, the things that have been difficult for us in whatever way. Things that have, where people have even wronged us. And perhaps we have every reason to be angry. We have every reason and it was extremely wrong. I'm not about to tell that young girl who was sexually abused, oh, that was okay and make excuses. It wasn't okay. It makes me so mad. It's not okay. And there are things that have happened to you that are not okay. But God doesn't want them to be stumbling blocks in our lives. He wants them to be stepping stones. And we have that choice. And it's like on the side of our house, you know, just so we don't slosh and whatever, 
is there. We have these stepping stones. And it's like God's given me a visual picture of those are the things, you know, in our lives that we can choose to walk upon to get to a higher level, that we can choose to get to the place that God wants us to be, or they can trip us up for the rest of our lives. And we have that choice. And the choice comes down to forgiveness, whether those things in our past will be stumbling blocks or stepping stones. And I can name to you things in my life that used to be stumbling blocks that are now stepping stones. And I think it's so beautiful that God even, I mean, we could go through so many scriptures, but even, I think it's Luke ten nineteen says that he's given us authority to tread on snakes and scorpions and to overcome all the power of the enemy. In other words, he wants the things of evil under our feet and not tripping us up. And sometimes that includes things of evil that people have decided to do. God is the avenger, but he's also an all-loving and all-merciful you know, merciful God. I don't know if that can be cleared up really quickly, but we have to trust that he's, he's an incredible balance of both. And, but I think it's important for us to convey, you know, sometimes we fault on one side or the other. You'll go to some churches and you think, oh my gosh, you know, God hates me, I'm in trouble, and you feel horrible and, uh, and, and depressed, and you go to other churches and you think, I can do anything I want, <laughs> you know, God loves me, it doesn't matter. And so we need to understand that God is all-loving and all-powerful and all-merciful, but he means business. And what he says, he means. And if someone repeatedly turns their back from him, he honors their decision. And I think that may be the easiest way for me to understand God in the sense of that balance is that God has given us a choice. Love is always a choice. And whatever choices we continually make in our lives, God honors our decision. And if someone chooses evil and chooses evil and chooses evil, as much as God will go after them and send people in their path and love them and pursue him, them, he did with us. <laughs> Didn't God pursue you and pursue you and pursue you? I mean, couldn't we all stand up here and tell stories of how God came after us? But if we continue to make that choice, he will honor our choices. Does that, does that help? Is there sort of? Okay. And, 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 and in the sense of God is our almighty, merciful God. Now, the flip side of it, if, if I have done the worst sins and asked for repentance and asked for um, forgiveness and repented in the name of Jesus, it's gone. It's covered. There is no need for vengeance. There is no need. It's, it's completely covered. And I hope that that is understood also um, because that's what Jesus died to give us is that amazing gift that we don't have to hang, hang our heads in shame, that it's, it's, it's forgiven and it's over with. And God tells us in his word, and I think I've listed in these handouts, that he's forgotten. And so we need to understand that too. So no matter what someone has done, if they've asked for forgiveness and sincerely meant it in their heart, the mercy of God gives them forgiveness. And the Bible does say that mercy triumphs over judgment, which I think is an amazing scripture. So, that, okay. Let's pray.
Heavenly Father, I just um, I thank you that you know you know every heart here. Father, I thank you that you're so incredibly powerful and your timing is so incredibly perfect and we have such a limited view of what you're doing in 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 our lives much less the life of someone else father i thank you that your word that is gone forth today is guaranteed to not return void and father i just ask that in the name of jesus that the any bonds of unforgiveness that have bound any one of my brothers or sisters in this room would be broken in Jesus name by your power father I ask that they would make the decision this morning that the things that are past that need forgiveness maybe even something they have done or maybe something that they need to forgive someone else or something else that they would allow those things to be stepping stones in their life and not stumbling blocks. Father, we've seen your word so clearly that love keeps no record of wrongs. And God, we cannot obey your word without the help of your Holy Spirit. Father, I ask for each one of us in this class that your Holy Spirit would just come down upon us right now in the name of Jesus and begin that work for us to let go of those records. God help us not to review the records as we talked about. Help us not to remember them and reformulate them and recall them, but to let them go. Father, for someone that might have been hurt greatly in this in this class, I just ask that they would know that you truly are their avenger and that you see all, you hear all, that no one can fool you. Father, we just um ask that at the end of this lesson of love that we would learn to walk in your love in our lives, that we would go back and and look at these scriptures and be reminded that love is patient and kind. It does not boast, it is not rude, it is not ever glorifying an evil. Father, that we would really try um as a daily exciting goal to simply ask for your holy spirit to change us and change our ways each and every day. Father, we pray for our country, Lord. We ask for your continual wisdom and guidance for our president. Lord, we just ask for your continual wisdom and guidance for our own decisions and for our family decisions, for us as parents and grandparents, for us as single individuals. Lord Jesus, how we need you in every area of our life. Father, I thank you that you never leave us, you never forsake us. And I thank you that for some reason you saw fit to call each and every one of us in this room to know you and to be here this morning. And Father, we consider that a privilege. And we just ask that the Holy Spirit would have his way in in our hearts and in our lives. We ask these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. 
We hope that you've enjoyed Kathleen's message. To order a copy of this and other messages, please call us in San Antonio, Texas at 210-822-5500 or toll free outside the San Antonio area, 877-397-7773. That's 1-877-397-7773. Visit our website, KathleenWitten.org. K-A-T-H-L-E-E-N-W-H-I-T-T-E-N.org. Thank you.